Hey, Neil. What's going on? Do you like the arts? Actually, I do. Uh, I'm a little bit of an artist myself. Why? Well, we have a very special guest today, as a matter of fact, who is very involved in the arts locally. And I think she has a national presence too. Really? Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to have her. Who is it? Your mom. It's my mom? No, it's not actually. My dad was on this podcast a long time. Yeah? Yeah. I'm sure he had a lot of interesting things to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict that that's gonna be a, a <laughs> smashing success. Yeah. I'm not saying I'll kill a snitch, but right. <laughs> they can make you wear pants. Welcome to Talk About Town, the local Louisville podcast about culture, art, food, and sports. And now, here's your host with the most, Neil. And Jeremy. Well, our guest actually is Heather Bell. You know Heather Bell? Heard of her? I have. I have. Now I have. Yeah, she is the Senior Vice President of Community Engagement for Kentucky Performing Arts. Cool. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited to have her on. We're going to, it's funny because it's like the interview's coming up, but like, We've already talked to her. Yeah, it's the magic of radio, podcast, internet, whatever. Electronic stuff. Yeah. I was uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it was Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. And he had Mike Birbiglia on, who's a comedian. I really like Mike Birbiglia. He's funny. Easy to say. Um, and... And he jumped in to the Zoom, you know, like the Zoom link, you just can jump in pretty much anytime. <laughs> and he just messed up their intro. I mean, they made it part of the thing. It was really funny. <laughs> but uh, he's like, Conan was like, hey, you're not supposed to be on here. You've, you've ruined the illusion. We're supposed to be talking about you coming on. And now everybody knows that we've already talked to you. and we've, You've totally messed it up. So then, then Mike ended up introducing himself. He's like, <laughs> he's like, Comedian, actor, writer, producer, Mike Brabiglia. Welcome. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I like that. Yeah. So, yes, this is a this is an interview that we recorded just a little bit earlier with Heather Bell. And as I mentioned, she is the senior vice president of community engagement at the Kentucky Performing Arts. So without further ado. Heather Bell. Heather Bell. Go Cards. She's a cat's man. We'll bring in our guest, Heather Bell. Heather from the Kentucky Performing Arts, Kentucky Center for the Arts, Kentucky Performing Arts. Um, Welcome, Heather. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I'm imagining that uh, things have been a little bit different for you lately. Just a tad, yeah, <laughs> nine imagine. months or so. I can only imagine really with um, your specific field how crazy this has been for you. But um, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your role um, 
with KPA and what you do? Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, I feel very fortunate to have, um, you know, a pretty unique job um, working in an industry that's um, incredibly dynamic. Uh, I'm part of an industry that with COVID has been obviously hit extremely hard. Um, so we've gone through a lot of change, which definitely we'll talk about today. Um, but I actually have a long history with Kentucky Performing Arts. Um, I, this September, will have been there for 20 years. So has sort of grown up in my career um, at KPA. So you started when you were doing different eight roles. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> um, and, but I was, a, I was a music kid, you know, like I grew up um, in music, in the art, and in Louisville. So I'm a a Louisvillian myself. My parents are transplants. They're actually um, both from England um, and came here through North Carolina, having met there. Uh, Dad worked for a tobacco company, and that's actually how we ended up in in Louisville. Makes sense. What's your What's your instrument? Oh, clarinet. So we, you know, okay. any any music kid. I don't know if you're a music kid, but they sort of come around with the cart of instruments in elementary school and sort of like, here are all your choices. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think it's fun with others to kind of laugh about how you ended up with the, the instrument that you ended up with. So mine was clarinet, which happened to be because my fingers were big enough to cover the holes. And there were too many <laughs> other um, girls at the time that were playing the flute. So it was like, you're going to play the clarinet. <laughs> That's an interesting, that's an interesting instrument. I'm, uh, my almost brother-in-law, he's like a family friend that grown up with my wife's family and he's a giant guy. He's like six, four, looks like an offensive line, but he is an amazing clarinetist. Um, but I know how difficult that instrument is to play because when you, we've, we've seen Matthew Broderick on uh, Ferris Bueller's day off, but like when you don't play the clarinet, well, it sounds really bad. It sounds really bad. My parents but, uh, were, you know, they hung in there and my brother, everyone hung in there. Um, and I'm glad they did because, you know, if I hadn't continued down that path, it wouldn't have led me to kind of uh, this, this kind of business career in the arts. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Well, it, it's, yeah, I know, I know, like I said, I know how difficult it is to play. So I'd be interested to hear you play one day, but um, do, you, yeah. do you still play just for fun? You know, every once in a while, every once in a while I will um, get the clarinet back out. But I think one of the challenges with anything is when you set it aside for a while, um, my personality type is anyway, I expect to start back where I left off, which is just not realistic at all. So it's like, well, what's the last thing that I played? And instead, it's more like, let's start with some scales. Yeah. <laughs> and any music kid knows, like, scales don't tend to be, you know, your favorite. Right. I, I was a piano kid at first, but miserable. So my parents said, do you want to learn guitar? And I said, uh -huh. absolutely, I do. So I, I'm a music kid, but like not school music. You know, I was in the basement with, with people playing. And my son, like, we've got three kids. First two, no interest in music. Last one, little interest. He got a drum set for Christmas, so we're hopeful. <laughs> oh, you're a cool parent. There's no way we're getting a drum set in my house. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I was gonna say that's that's a place for isolation. Uh, I mean, um, but I can I can relate a little bit, uh, not musically at all, but um, you know, I grew up playing a lot of sports, and you know, if I go out there, I want to be able to do what I could do when I was 25. You know. 
but the body says no. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's more than just repetition with, with your, your body aging, you know, like with, with, with music, I think generally speaking, regardless of age, if you continue to practice, you'll, you know, you can get it back, but I don't think I'll ever get back to where I once was, unfortunately, but <laughs> it's okay. Um, here. So where did you go to school? So that, like, that kind not- of led me, uh, you know, down this path. So, you know, all through high school, what's really cool is that I grew up going to the Kentucky Center for the Arts. I grew up going to Kentucky Performing Arts. I'd see stage one performances, you know, our field trip. Um, and then as I continued on, I had the opportunity to join the Louisville Youth Orchestra as a young person. Um, so just can appreciate, you know, just, you know, having, you know, kids that are involved in the arts, what are all the various opportunities that exist in this community that is Louisville, this big, this big small town that we call home. Um, there's so much. And so for me, the LYO was an incredible part of my path. And at some point I was able to audition and got into um, what, what was called Allstate, you know, Allstate Orchestra and Band and performed on Whitney Hall stage. Um, which is pretty awesome, you know, as a high schooler to cool. sort of look out at yeah. that, that large. Where'd thing. you go to high school? I went to Eastern high school. I was a gotcha. Eastern Eagle. Um, and we had a great band there, um, that was run by, you know, it's Louisville and it's the world of the art. So it becomes, um, you know, it's easy to be connected. So my high school band mm, teacher right. was, he was a huge mentor for me. And he actually opened my eyes to, this is what you could actually do this for a living. Um, but he ran an amazing, you know, marching band, jazz band, pep band, all the bands, <laughs> um, which yeah. was why too, I love my LYO experience, having the orchestra experience, but I would do all of those. I was like, sure, I'll try jazz band. Yes. I'll try pep band. Yes. I'll do marching <laughs> band. I did all of them. And, uh, but it was, I have a, you know, I don't know how many people know that unique moment where like, or if they have a moment where they realize, you know, that's what I want to do. But it was actually with uh, my band teacher, Mr. Hagen. We went to New York. It was my first time to New York. First time seeing a Broadway show. We saw Miss Saigon. And we got back on the bus after the show. And he said, wouldn't it just be incredible to be in the pit and to play, you know, as part of that orchestra, part of that band. And I just remember very clearly thinking, yeah, that would be cool. But no, I think I want to be a part of the team that's getting people to the theater. I want to be a part of that, but not necessarily playing. Um, and I, you know, my mom's a retired teacher. So kind of figuring out those paths, like, do you want to play? Do you really want to try to be a musician? I knew that wasn't a fit. I had my mom in my ear saying, don't teach, don't teach. That's not what you want to do. I mean, she loved teaching. Don't get me wrong. I'm a former teacher. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. I changed careers midstream. Okay. It's funny because well, as I get older, I think, you know, I think I could do that. I think I could be a teacher, but then I realized there are times I don't have patience with my kids and I'm like, no, maybe that really was the best. Times 30 at a time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's all of us. I have three kids also. So the, the, we beat ourselves up about the lack of patience. You know, it, it is, it is a, you know, obviously teachers, they, they do a lot of great things. And I have a lot of appreciation and respect for teachers, uh, but certainly not for everybody. I feel like it's one of those things you shouldn't just do it because well, I could do that, you know, yeah. kind of like nursing, you know, like, oh, I could be a nurse, you know, you have to have a passion <laughs> for it. You have to really want to do it. But I think that what's interesting, what you said about, you know, you didn't want to be the actual artist in the pit playing the music, but 
you do have a passion for music, you have a passion for performing, and you wanted to share that passion in a way that gets people there, you know, and I think that that's interesting. And um, obviously, uh, well, difficult right now, but I know you're doing a heck of a job doing it. We didn't even mention mention in the introduction, but I didn't mention when I actually introduced you, your title with KPA. So do you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, your actual role now and what you're doing with KPA? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my role is I oversee our community engagement at Kentucky Performing Arts. So um, that includes, and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, KPA's mission and kind of what we're all about. But, you know, the role I get to work in every day is kind of working in our creative area. So um, we are mostly known for being venues. So we have the Kentucky Center on Main Street. Um, We actually run the Brown Theater on Broadway, a beautiful historic theater. And then we just opened, I shouldn't say just, but it feels like just because we sort of have had this quiet chapter with COVID. But um, we opened in the summer of 2019, Old Forester's Paris Town Hall in the Paris Town neighborhood, um, which is a brand new, uh, beautiful, state-of-the-art, kind of flexible, you know, standing room venue. And, Can't wait to go there. Uh, it's, it's so much fun. I mean, I, yes, I'm with you. I can't wait for you to go there too. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we went to the um, ice skating in Paris Town yeah. and I was like, oh, that place looks amazing. And Paris Town, I mean, I didn't know what had been done until I guess I was going to, um, what is it? Is it Fleur de Flea? Is that the Yeah, the, the Fleur de Flea market. Place right there? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And there was a huge festival kind of thing going on in Paris. And we're like, oh my gosh, yes. this is great. You know, we're thrilled, yeah, just to be a part of it. Because you've got the cafe, which is like this Louisville institution. Um, there again, I remember, but a different location, you know, having lunch with my mom at the cafe. And um, so just Louisville Stoneware that's had incredible renovation and Logan Street Market right around the corner. So that was a part of the vision. And we knew for KPA for a year, this was years in the making, right? Like a six year plan strategically and with the board, we knew we wanted to to open a new space and a different space to really expand, you know, what a performing arts center is. What does that look like? What is that, you know, sort of really inclusive arts and entertainment and trying to build younger audiences. So we knew we were after that, but were we going to, you know, kind of renovate an existing structure or was it going to be brand new? And Paris Town just presented this option to sort of kind of go in partnership and create something really special. So um, that idea of festivals, you know, I can't wait until we can sort of like fill that space, you know, with a stage in the street that is Brent Street. Um, we've got a bandstand in the garden. We have a beautiful garden, Christie's Garden that we manage and um, just a lot of a lot of opportunity there. But- Will it be all kinds of different performances in that space? It will be. Yeah, we started as such all different genres. Um, And, you know, I think part of our vision for that space was creating an opportunity for Louisville to attract some bands and some touring groups that maybe wouldn't typically come to this market, right? They're going to Cincinnati and Nashville and Indy, um, but let's get them to Louisville. Um, Let's make sure that we're a part of that. So we kind of fit right in where it's a 2000 capacity standing menu. Um, so we kind of fit nicely in being a unique space, you know, in this community. But we're, you know, we're mostly known for these venues. Um, we, what's been really cool is during, during COVID, the Louisville Orchestra 
um, and started performing at Paris Town um, in addition to our other spaces, you know, pre-COVID and when everything sort of shut down, they revisioned and said, you know, we can do live streams. You know, we can find a way to make it safe if we can from a, you know, building um, and host perspective and they can, you know, among their musicians. And so they've had four live stream concerts and they're uh, back in rehearsals this next week um, and we'll do more. And so it's, it's been great to, we, the fact that we have that space um, with it being state of the art, um, the HVAC was where it needed to be, you know, that we were able to kind of pick right up and allow them to come in and do what they do, make music. So Wu-Tang Clan yeah. in October yeah. in Paris Point, mm-hmm. in Paris Town. It was, uh, yeah, a little different than, than uh, Louisville Orchestra, but. A little bit different, yeah. Um, I mentioned I have uh, the three kids. We used to take them to Orchidstra, mm-hmm. um, that the, you know, which was awesome because it's, you know, it's the Louisville Orchestra performing music that kids know or that kids can appreciate. And uh, we'll always like going on Halloween, you know, they, they have Halloween themed stuff. They play the Star Wars theme yes. and I don't know, it's. You're getting the um, classically trained, really talented musicians um, taking their time to just, you know, have fun with kids. And and my kids really enjoyed it. You know, I think um, I'm glad you brought that up. I, you know, I just, I think the arts has come a long way, you know, in the last decade and, and even during this time of COVID of sort of being open and available to all, you know, like. The orchestra under Teddy Abrams, I mean, they have been able to, to branch out and do all kinds of new work. And to your point, some mainstream popular stuff of connecting in with movies. Um, and, you know, there's definitely still room for that. There's room to push and make sure that, that there is something for everyone. And I think that's what Paris Town was about for us. And that's certainly what we try to think about. Um, so we've got, you know, the venue piece of we're this convener, which obviously is a real challenge. We can't really convene people right now, um, but we're also a presenter. And I think what's been, you know, really wonderful. We, I think we all feel at times we can be zoomed out or screened out a little bit. Um, but there have been a lot of really great offerings, you know, from artists that are just getting their start to building an audience to, you know, major artists, a mainstream Taylor Swift, right? Um, that are, that are continuing to put work out there, that are creating content in different ways and getting it in front of us. So one of the things that we've done, uh, when we first shut down actually in March, I mean, of course, like everybody else, it was the situation of, okay, this is a few weeks and a couple months and we're kind of gonna be you know, gearing back up. And obviously as time went on, you know, our eyes opened and we understood a clearer picture of that. So one of the first things that we did at KPA was we thought, okay, let's, we've got all these artists within our community um, that are talented and they're creating work. And we've got people that are, you know, needing not just entertainment, but, you know, art to move them and heal them and make them think. And so anyway, we hired in, um, started a a series called KPA at Home that was just a live stream via Facebook, via social media, YouTube, and just for free to the community every day, there was a new artist. and we focused on Louisville artists and we expanded out to the state and Kentucky and had some great Kentucky artists represented. Um, we had the opportunity to, to tune in to or tap in and partner with the Kennedy Center in Washington, DC 
um, who actually was, uh, they, they're trying to have representation from every state and we had the opportunity to, to have a focus here, um, which was great. And so now we're kind of shifting in to, I mentioned the orchestra virtual performances. Um, this weekend, actually, we've got a number of artists in Paris town and we're recording a show that'll get released Valentine's Day. It's called All Together Now. Um, and it really is about sort of artists within our community that are creating amazing work um, and sharing something back to, you know, sort of bring the community together. How can we heal and, and move forward from this? So we're excited that when we can continue that work with artists, find ways to put their work out into the world um, and, and engage with the Louisville community, you know, in a time where we can't we can't all be together. We can't invite everyone into our, our doors just yet. I think next fall, um, we're all eager to get into the fall and, uh, and then we'll see our doors open back up and audiences come back. That's great. Cause, um, I, I didn't mention, I have a BFA, but I, mine is, was visual art and the power now of the internet versus, I mean, this was, you know, over 20 years ago when I graduated and you, he's old. Yeah. <laughs> the, the internet was not what it was now. And I was, I was overwhelmed by even trying to like start a career or market as that. And the internet's a game changer with that. Just all the things that, yeah. that we've been able to do and, and um, see and be involved with arts wise because of the internet. Right. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, my daughter, she's an art kid too. She's a visual artist. She goes to no middle school here in Louisville and um, it's part of the magnet program there. And, and it's, I mean, during this time for her to have her art and to be able to grow in her art has just been fantastic, you know, and to your point, it does make it so much more accessible. Like we know we've got, you know, work to do to make sure that there are not any barriers for anybody who wants to, you know, have an opportunity to experience the art. Um, to get involved and to, you know, have, have an arts education, you know, we still have work to do in that area, but I do think that all the virtual spaces that are available are a huge help to introduce, right. And connect um, young people, yeah. old people, anybody to creativity. Well, I, oh, I think like if there is any silver lining, it is what you just mentioned, the accessibility, because I feel like with performing arts specifically, it, it doesn't always feel accessible to people, you know, and now there's an opportunity to maybe reach an audience that wouldn't normally be engaged or want to be engaged. Uh, you know, we've seen that like Hamilton being available streaming, you know, so now you can watch a stage production. You don't, you know, like, I don't think that performing arts is stuffy, quote unquote, you know, but I think for some people it feels that way. And this shows people, just being able to see it in a different way, um, see it, hear it, whatever. Yeah. Um, and now they're exposed to it where maybe otherwise they wouldn't have been. And I think that that's pretty awesome. Well, it makes Again, me silver lining. Definitely a silver lining. And um, just thinking about like Amanda Gorman from the inauguration. Um, I don't know about you, but like my social media, you know, feeds were all about Amanda Gorman as they should have been, not as they should have been, but to be a huge highlight because she, she is a talent and a gift and to hear her, you know, perform in such a way and, um, you know, have such a, um, an amazing craft that she shared, shared with the world was just incredible. So here's this artist that 
obviously has been out there. She's the national poet laureate, which is awesome. I'm so happy to know we have a youth, you know, poet laureate. Yeah. 22 years old. Um, you know, also had a stutter and, uh, poetry was a way in which she was able to, um, have kind of a therapy through that. So, um, yeah, I think that there's so much content that is out there and, um, and I do think what we consider art, and I think we try to be really mindful of that at, at KPA, like we present across all different genres. You talked about Wu-Tang um, presenting <laughs> comedy, you know, presenting um, programs for young people um, all the way to, you know, the very classical and storybook um, ballet, storybook ballet um, pieces. So, I mean, it sounds a little, um, you know, cliche, but the idea is something for everyone. There really is. And I, and that's my hope. You know, we talk a lot about um, in the work we're doing now is we're tr certainly trying to book as much as we can for when we reopen. Of What do the opportunities look like? We work closely with um, and are proud to be a home to the orchestra, the Louisville Ballet, Kentucky Opera, you know, Stage One and Broadway. Broadway just announced last week, which is super exciting. Their 21-22 uh, show that they'll start um, hopefully in November. We'll be back in the theater. And, um, you know, just making sure that as we're looking at what's coming into this community, that there really is, uh, there really is something for anybody who has an interest. But we talk about it's going to be like the Roaring Twenties because there's so much, there's so many artists that are out there that are ready to go back on tour, um, that this is their field, this is their career. And, um, you know, I'm, you know, we're all very excited for the comeback and what that looks like. And that's what we need is people to show up. We need the audience members certainly to come back. So for us on our end, that means we have to, to be ready for that. You know, healthy, we talk a lot about healthy buildings. Um, so what this has given us is the opportunity to do what we need to do um, to make sure that it's a, a safe environment and people have a confidence about that and feel ready to come back and walk through our yeah. doors and know. Yeah, I'm pretty confident there's a, strong pent up demand, <laughs> um, just, just to get out of the house in general. But, um, I've seen, you know, I've listened to a lot of different things, read a lot of different things, but, you know, with travel specifically, you know, people obviously aren't traveling as much. We've seen kind of like when, when restrictions are lifted, people are, you know, flocking to do these things. And we're, you know, we've been, I think still, the majority of people are being pretty cautious yeah. the remain but there's this segment of the population that's that's just they can't stop themselves and they're just doing whatever regardless but those the other people that are doing the right things there's they want to you know they they want to get out there they want to do those things and they just haven't been so I, I do think that once things do open back up in a way that everybody feels quote unquote safe um that will I don't know if it'll be an immediate thing that we'll get back to where we were, but I do think we will, um, you know, be in the movies. We'll be in, we'll be in concerts. We'll be in shows. We'll be going out to restaurants because I think people have realized how much that maybe those things are taken for granted. You, you just, how quickly it can be taken away. Kind of like uh, our democracy. <laughs> cut, that, cut that out too. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, anyway, you know, it's, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, one of the things about Louisville is, you know, for a city at size, any weekend, I mean, it can be kind of overwhelming. <laughs> um, just the choices that exist to, you know, 
what what's out there and what's available and that energy of community coming together you know um whether you're headed to the walking bridge and what's happening on waterfront to um you know bustling on main street and market and um i look forward to that you know it's it's funny because i attended my first um forecastle and bourbon and beyond you know the the this last year 2019 um before 2020 wasn't in the picture. Um, and it's like, oh man, like I had, we had the best time. Right. And I just missed so much that opportunity to come back together. I'm an avid, like St. James art festival. Oh, you know, there are those key community events that you're going to be there. Um, they're, they're on your list always. And, um, you know, Louisville just always has so much going on. I, I so appreciate like, you know, what we have available to us. Um, the restaurants, the parks, you know, the, all of the arts. Um, and I think you're right. I think we, I don't think we ever could envision we'd, we'd be in this, you know, this kind of situation where we didn't, we weren't able to take part in all of those things. Of course, we took all of that for granted because we couldn't even fathom a time where here we would be sort of confined to our homes. Um, so I think Louisville thrives on being that city that there's always something going on, you know, in all pockets of our neighborhoods and returning to that energy. It's, it's possible here, right? That's our <laughs> <It's story>. possible. <laughs> yeah. um, possibility city. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, in Louisville, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. It's such a small town, big city. I mean, didn't use those words, but we talk about that all the time. Just it's it's easy to make those connections because especially, you know, if you're in a specific field like music, you're going to, you're going to touch on a lot of, well, come in contact with a lot of people that have similar interests in this community that, um, you know, can benefit your career, can, can help you um, just in all kinds of ways. But again, that you have that closeness of this greater community that is Louisville and then your smaller, tighter knit community that is music or performing arts. And uh, it's, it really is kind of a special city in that way. I don't think that there's a lot of towns of a million people where people are like, Hey, where'd you go to high school? You know, you're 50 years old. Where'd you go to high school? <laughs> yeah. You just, you just don't, you don't see that a lot. Uh, and then you really throw them off. Like if you say, Oh, you know, I'm not from here or I'm from England. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna really throw them off. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, you mentioned Eastern high school, like I could name several people that I knew that went to Eastern high school. So it's just, but we all are, we're always looking for that connection. Cause yeah. I always say in Louisville, it's one degree of separation. Yes, you know, so. that is so true. And it's interesting because during this time of COVID, I think so naturally in our lives, you know, as you're moving with all the, you know, your workplace and maybe schools in the mix. And if there's a church in the mix or whatever, you know, your, your gym, I mean, there's all of these experiences that we have with groups of people. And I think that's been such one of the really hard parts of all of this is that sort of isolation piece. You're not having that constant connection to other people. Um, and what has been interesting on kind of the professional front in the work area is how eager I think and open people were in coming together in a Zoom space. But, you know, the conversations um, that we've been able to, to be a part of and just kind of in partnership. So like here in Louisville, for instance, um, kind of coming together, Louisville Tourism would sort of convene, you know, groups that are in sports and in attractions. And we're all sort of talking about, like, what are you facing? How are you addressing um, the challenges in front of you? What uh, 
cleaning certifications are you looking at, you know, for when we return? And, and it's been really awesome. And even on a national level, um, to be able to come together with, you know, national colleagues, peers, and kind of compare notes about where, where they are in their city. Um, it's just been immensely helpful, you know, to have that connection that as so many of us are working out of our home, mostly, um, how can you kind of connect into a larger world? The Zoom fatigue can be real, but I'm thankful that, you know, people are so open and willing to share here's where we are, here's how we're making it through this um, and just, you know, support one another. Like, I hear you, we're with you as well. Like you're not, you're not in it alone. We're kind of all making our way through this and, and figuring out these new best practices and sharing those. So like professionally, it's been extremely rewarding. Even in the city, it's like, I've been working in this for 20 years and I met new people through this that, you know, I don't typically come into contact with it's kind of, it's kind of bizarre, but again, back to silver linings, they're always there. And that's definitely been one. And it just shows the spirit of our city too. I think on the local level, um, we do want to connect with one another. We do. Um, that's important to us. Right. Well, where would we be, you know, without zoom, you know, I know we, everybody's tired of having to do zoom meetings or Google meets or whatever they are. Um, you know, and obviously we want to be where the action is. We want to be together and we want to be in person to, to see the concert, you know, yeah. like we, we got this, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Avett brothers. My wife is. Oh, Avett, I love the Avett brothers. Avett yeah. Brothers. Yeah. So my wife loves the Avett brothers. So we, we watch their video. They norm they, every year in Charlotte, they have a, uh, concert. And so it was, it was kind of eerie because they're, they're playing this concert in this open concert hall, um, for nobody, yeah. you know, except for the virtual audience, right. but it was a way for them to connect. I, I know. I mean, it was a relatively inexpensive thing that we, we did. So we, we did that on new year's, uh, new year's Eve, but yeah, I mean, you know, 1918, when there was a pandemic, <laughs> um, you, I mean, I couldn't even imagine the isolation. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, we are fortunate to, to be in this technological age. I know that there's a lot of benefits and drawbacks to the technology, but um, at least, you know, for us right now, having this conversation with you, I don't think we'd be able to do that, feel comfortable having you come to our studio and you, you wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily. So it gives us a chance to, to reach and meet people um, that we wouldn't otherwise be able to do. You know, so. so I have a great example. This is um, every year for about 15 years, KPA has, has had a celebration about Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And, you know, it's, it's a beautiful stage performance. It's typically made up of um, different community, arts community groups. And this year, you know, coming upon the MLK holiday a few months out, you know, we sort of knew, okay, we, we, need, we need to create something. We need to do something um, obviously different this year, but something available and a gift to the community now more than ever. And it just so happened, as we talk about there being a lot of um, artist content that's out there, Jazz at Lincoln Center with Wynton Marsalis, the trumpeter. I don't know if you're familiar with that artist, but we've- I've seen him. Oh, seen perfect. Him play. Yeah, it was he's great. Great. It was he's great. incredible. So we um, had the opportunity to, they did a recording in New York in their beautiful studios overlooking Columbus Circle. Um, and they offered this up, right, to different presenters around the country. And we said, we're in. We're, <laughs> we'd love to do this. He wrote a new piece of music called the Democracy Suite during this time of COVID. So that makes it very cool because it's just it's very real and relevant to 
um, not just, you know, what we are dealing with in COVID, but, you know, sort of looking at civil rights and looking at history to present day of where we are. So anyway, we had the opportunity to kind of buy this uh, product and offer it to the community. Well, the piece about Zoom um, that you remind me of a great connection there is we presented it to the community. Anybody could sign up, you know, as a way of celebrating MLK Day, enjoy this. But separately, we had the opportunity to actually have Wynton Marsalis on Zoom by invite with about 30 kids from our community. So these are young, you know, aspiring musicians, aspiring artists. And just like we're talking today, <laughs> they had the opportunity to ask Mr. Marsalis anything they wanted to. Um, and he was so fantastic. I can't even tell you sort of picking out. He's like, I saw a yawn. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to make it up. Awesome. Isaiah, I see you yawning over there. I'm sorry if I'm boring you, but, um, but it was, it was <laughs> awesome. And you know, would that have happened? You know, no, I mean, we've done fantastic meet and greets with him and he's very generous, but to say during this time that he, out of his, you know, New York home, that he's going to take an hour and connect with these young people here in Louisville. It was just awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, before we uh, let you escape, um, what do you want to let listeners know and how they can help and, and get back into everything? Yeah. What can we do? Yeah, thank you for that question. So I think for, for Kentucky Performing Arts um, and just the larger kind of arts and culture community, I think, you know, I think you can be there for us now. And obviously those that feel, you know, feel passionate about this kind of work um, and those that are able um, we always need, we need people to come on as members. We need people to come on as donors to our organization and say, I'm going to be there to support you. When we reopen, we need people to come back. Um, obviously they have to feel comfortable. Um, they have to feel a level of confidence. We are doing all that we can, um, so that that's there, you know, before day one of opening our, opening our doors, but honestly get vaccinated. I mean, the arts and cultural community, um, and more broadly, the only way we're going to really be able to um, get back to a thriving community um, is if we can kind of achieve the numbers we need to. And so we need, um, we're, we're in line, um, hopefully with so many others, to, um, to get vaccinated so we can reach that, that herd, herd immunity. You know, I think it's going to, it will look different when we come back. Um, I think people can certainly expect that they're going to be wearing masks for some time. Um, and, you know, I think we all wish we had crystal balls. I know I did last March and I continue to wish yeah. I had a crystal ball, but we have more certainty now than we did even a few months ago. So that, that feels great. But I just think for folks that, um, you know, feel passionate about the kind of city that Louisville is um, and some of the things that we've talked about, you know, having the restaurants we do, the beautiful parks and um, the entertainment life, you know, we need, we need all of you to be a part of that. Um, when we reopen, when we come back. Right. Well, we typically don't get into stuff that's what I would consider quote unquote controversial, but it's really crazy to me how just from the very beginning, how this public health emergency, which is, that's what it is. the public health crisis became political. It should have never become political. It should have been a public health issue and immunity is only achieved through, you know, like vaccines are great, but they only work if you actually get vaccinated. So if people, you know, if you're tired of being 
on lockdown, you're tired of having to uh, wear a mask, you're tired of all these things that you're having, all these restrictions on your life, you know, hear about, that's the fatigue that I get, all these people talking about all the different things, but then they don't want to do anything about it. Well, the one thing you can do is when it's your turn, when it's available to you, get vaccinated because as we've seen with these strains of the virus that are, you know, more potent or more um, contagious, even more contagious than the actual uh, or than the original, it, it stops mutating when it stops spreading. And the only way to stop it spreading is to get enough people to get vaccinated where we don't have uh, just so many people that have it at once. So anyway, I, I appreciate you saying that. And we appreciate all your time. You've been really generous with your time. And yeah, I, I have one, one other question though, with one last one, because I, <laughs> I noticed you're from Louisville. Yes. I believe you went to UK. I did. Who do you like, cats or cards? (laughs) Well, first of all, I mean, I'm a major sports person. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. But, um, (laughs) well, I grew up in Louisville and then went to UK. I I am definitely a Cats fan um, when the two are playing, but I'm otherwise a Cards fan. Um, What's funny is we're definitely a blue house, but my son, who's nine, has said he will be going to L and like he's a diehard Cards fan. So he's got all the cards, you know, uh, get up. Um, and the rest of us are, we bleed blue. <laughs> I can, I can appreciate that. I, I'm, I'm a big L fan, but I don't, I don't feel like I need to have this visceral reaction to, to UK fans or to UK in general to validate my L fanhood or <laughs> yes. fanaticism. <laughs> So I think that uh, we can all get along. It is interesting though. I mean, because even in our own city, it's like 60, 40, you know, it's, it's one of the few places where you see, you know, like there's still, when I say 60, 40, you know, 40% of the f- fans are still cats fans and anywhere else in the state, it's all UK. It so, all UK. so we are, um, you know, we are definitely the minority, but, uh, but yeah, I haven't appreciated, you know, there are state school, you know, Kentucky's a state school, UofL is a state school, WKU. I, I want them all to do well. I don't think it hurts us for them to do poorly right. uh, or for them to do, you know, it, it actually is better for them all to do well. Yeah. Know? I think it's definitely after the, where did you go to school? Meaning high school, are you a cards or a cats fan? Yep. <laughs> it's like, that's just a part of our culture. It's who we are. Yep. Yeah. I always make this joke uh, that I have a friend who pretty conservative politically. And then he's one of my very best friends. And then his wife is couldn't be more liberal and you know they're married um but uh and his politics i think have evolved a little over the years but but you know they're both cards fans so i think they made it work you know <laughs> <laughs> it's a split household they, but in a different way <laughs> right had it been had they had they been cats and cards fans it, it may not have worked you know um <laughs> I, I kid but um anyway well thank you so much again for joining us being on with us and talking about what you do we do think it's really important work we are both big supporters big and uh, performing arts, music, all that you do. And we do look forward to a time where, you know, we can feel comfortable being out there <laughs> and just enjoying it in it in the, in the way that it's intended to be enjoyed, which is live and in person. Yes, thank you. Thanks for saying that. And, and thanks for the opportunity just to, to highlight the arts. We really appreciate it. Definitely. All right, well, that was good. She she is a nice lady, very awesome to talk to. I'm I'm glad that she gave us that much time. Obviously, she is uh, good at what she does. She is 
good at community engagement. She's cu- she's cut out for the job she has. I think it's cool. Yes, yes, sir. She's um, very engaging. Yeah, it's good. Um, so definitely the bulk of this episode is um, our interview with Heather. However, she was very generous with her time. Yeah, she was. Um, I was talking to you the other day on the phone and you were telling me a story and I was like, man, I wish I could be recording this right now because it was so, it was so good and so ludicrous. Um, you're going to have to, you're going to have to repeat at least the gist of the story because it, I don't know, you were cracking me up. Well, I'd ordered food from a restaurant to be delivered to my office and the guy shows up with the food apparently didn't think he was in the right place so he starts pulling out of the parking lot and I'm trying to flag him down you know the whole point is contactless delivery right you know I'm like you're supposed to leave it for me you know so I start chasing him to the next parking lot and then he just ends up handing me the food I mean, it was easier for me to just get it than have him drive all the way back. I would have had to go back there anyway. But uh, yeah, it was. Didn't you have to flag him down a couple of times? He like went somewhere else. And then I think you thought you had him and then he pulled out again, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, I thought that he was going to see me, but he didn't. (laughs) So then I start running to catch him. There we go. And he pulls into this parking lot and he makes this turn around. I'm like, are you the dude from Uber Eats or whatever? And. Yeah, I knew who he was, and there's a reason we want contactless delivery. You don't always want to see who's delivering your food, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's all good. It worked out. I got my sandwich, and uh, it was it was a minor inconvenience. You know, just I, I'm always conscious of getting my steps goal, so it was just uh, some some steps that I wasn't anticipating getting. But it helped get you to your goal. Yeah, that's a good thing though. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know it's hard. We talk about this a lot to get out there and support our local restaurants. It's a pandemic, but, um, you know, it's one of the ways you can do it. Order carry out, order contactless delivery. Um, you know, it's best if you can order directly from the restaurant as opposed to ordering through one of these, you know, delivery services. I guess it's good for the delivery drivers that you're using those services, but the restaurants themselves, they have to pay a fee. So it's more beneficial to them to just order directly from the restaurant, but um, you know, you're still supporting them and I'm trying to do my part, trying to do as much as I can, given the circumstances, still not really going anywhere and eating out. Um, but I am trying to get a couple carryout orders a, a month, at least once, a, once or twice a week, depending on the week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's crazy. Cause you know, we use the, the, DoorDash, the Uber Eats, et cetera, from time to time. But uh, it's not the cheapest way to eat, that's for sure. No, you get a $10 sandwich, ends up costing you 25 bucks. Right. <laughs> You're like, oh, I, how about, you know, it's like the, the delivery fee, the convenience fee, the tip, the right. car it's actually, fee. It's actually better if you order more food because they'll, they'll charge you extra for getting like such a small order. So if you just order for yourself, then there's like this added fee for, you know, like you only spent this much money, so we're going to charge you more. Uh, but 
you know, I guess you pay for convenience. Well, yeah. I mean, there's something to be said that that business model would not be thriving if there wasn't something there that people want. Well, and I think it's one of the things that I was always envious about in large cities, um, cities bigger than Louisville, Chicago, New York, you know, you can always order anything you want. And so I think it's kind of cool that we have these things available to us now. Um, you know, that if you want Indian food, you want Thai food, you want fried chicken, whatever you want, you can have it delivered. You don't have to sail across the the ocean. Can you imagine that? They like, there were like spice traders back in the day, like showing up in India or something like, oh, this is good. Right. Now you just say, uh, I want some Indian food. It'll be here in 25 minutes. Yeah. You don't have to go to uh, Britain to get Indian food. <laughs> <laughs> that was intentional. Um, but yeah, you don't have to go to, well, I guess that's been true for a while, Neil. I don't know if you knew, but um, that we, they call America the melting pot. So, um, Part of that is, uh, you know, these diverse cultures that are coming together in, um, you know, a, a larger community. And um, I think, but in, in all honesty, though, that is, I, th- I think the greatest way to appreciate another culture is through food. And I, I do miss that, um, you know, the interaction, like sharing a meal with someone um, that's always, I had a boss that once said, you can't, can't really be friends with somebody until you eat with them. I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but it, but there's something to be said for that, like breaking bread with someone and um, sharing a meal, especially of another culture, because it's it just it shows you uh, just a little glimpse of of who they are and what they're about, and uh, and I really appreciate food from everywhere, so you know it's good. Indians, my favorite cuisine. Had some Indian food last night, actually. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so. What else we got going on? Just living, man. Um, been, uh, I don't know. It's been a busy, been busy since we last put it out. And I'm sure I will continue to be, but I'm not complaining. I'm grateful. Busy is good, especially right now. And it's, you know, this podcast, uh, as we said, it's the podcast where, you know, it's like, it's, it's your podcast, yours as in the listeners. It's, you know, we're Louisville based, we're, we're Kentucky based. So it's the community podcast. And so that's why, you know, we love to bring somebody on like Heather, who is active and engaging in this community. Um, And we talked about the accessibility of the arts um, through zoom and through all these things where now you have access to these things that you wouldn't have had access to before. So if you've been exposed to something through the pandemic that, you know, that the internet, or whatever source is brought to you that you maybe not maybe would not have you know chosen to listen to or get involved in prior just remember that for when things do get back to whatever normal is um because these people need us and the arts in particular i mean it, it's just something that's been hit so hard the travel industry's been hit so hard the service industry's been so, hit so hard so uh i hope that people realize how good we had it um, especially in this country where we have access to so many different things and you never would have thought that we wouldn't have access to those things. And so, yeah, just be appreciative of what you have and, uh, yeah, you know, getting back to being busy. Um, yeah, busy is good. We're, you know, we don't talk a whole lot about real estate these days on the podcast, but I did want to mention one thing that I, you know, I've talked about 
inventory before and how low the inventory is, but I actually got an email from a mortgage broker the other day that, you know, just mass email, they sent to all the realtors, but um, there was the fewest number of houses on the market in history. Nationally. Throughout the entire country. So I think it was like 700,000 homes in the entire country. Um, and, you know, I've mentioned before, you know, like when I first started selling real estate, like 7,000 homes in Louisville was about the norm, what you'd see like in a peak season. Right now, there was like 1,400 homes on the market. So yep. it's just, and, and again, I've mentioned before, like that's, that's, a, that's the entire MLS. So the entire GLAR MLS, which includes surrounding counties, including parts of Southern Indiana. So, I mean, it's just an incredible, incredibly low number. So you think the natural natural way to think is, well, it's a seller's market, uh, which is true in a lot of ways, but I think interest rates, I mean, they continue to just stay so low. So um, there are opportunities for buyers, there's opportunities for sellers, but it just, it, I think it's kind of a microcosm of just this entire pandemic you know everything is scarce mm-hmm. you can get toilet paper now though for the most part still can't get to- i can- still can't get uh paper towels from costco though which is frustrating Ooh, it's messed they, up yeah i mean they, they just don't sell them. they don't have them like you can you can get them from target or whatever you just you know it's nice to be able to buy from costco because you get so many <laughs> yep uh, but again, it's just the things that we take for granted. I mean, we're, we're very fortunate, um, to have all that we have. And I do look forward to getting back to whatever normal is. I know a lot of us have pandemic fatigue, probably a lot of us have had it for a long time, but there does seem to be light at the end of the tunnel. We talked a little bit about Heather getting to that herd immunity and, you know, I'm not going to preach to you guys about what you need to do, but again, if you want to be able to enjoy life the way you knew it before the pandemic, it's going to have to happen. You know, there's going to have to be some sort of herd immunity and whether you like it or not, whether you think that it's a threat to you or that it, you know, the reality is it's here and there's a lot of people that are taking it seriously, which will affect your life. You know, even if you don't take it seriously, the way that the community has reacted to it, the way that um, the government has reacted to it, it puts certain restrictions on you that, you know, nobody wants. I mean, nobody wants to be told you have to stay home or you have to do this, you have to do that. But, um, you know, I, again, I do think there's light at the end of the tunnel and we just have to kind of do what is best for the most people. Word. Yeah. So anything interesting happening with you lately? Nope. (laughs) We talked about last time you you made the move. So how how are things coming along with the new house? Uh, it, it's overwhelming. You know, um, we're uh, there's still so much to do and such little time to do it. And I'll tell you what, the kids aren't very helpful at it. No, they're not. Um, not not just your kids. That's that's a pretty universal thing, I think. Um, well, I, I give you a hard time because you know, I always say you start stuff and never gets finished. And, uh, you know, you have good intentions and eventually maybe you get back to it, but now you just have like twice as much house as you used to. So I, I can imagine that there's, there's just a lot going on. There is, but it's a good thing. It's, it's, you know, you're fortunate, um, 
to to be able to made the move you made although it did take you out of the neighborhood it's okay you're only five minutes away that's right and i want to be an honorary member of the neighborhood so going forward as we discussed we're going to keep talking to cool people interesting people that have ties to the community and we've got some people in the works we're not going to name any names because you never know what could happen or what might happen but uh if you the audience our listeners think of anybody that you think we should talk to send us an email um jeremy at talkabouttownky.com neil at talkabouttownky.com uh drop us a line and we're you know we are more than willing to reach out to pretty much anybody that may be interesting yeah, something interesting or cool and and even that's flying under the radar right they don't have to be a, a local celebrity or um have some fancy job title just you know if you got something to say and 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 it's relevant to now and relevant to our community then and i think it's uh it's worth at least exploring absolutely so until next time cards go cards <laughs> thanks for listening to talk about town don't forget to check our social media at talk about town ky drop us a line at neil at talk about town ky.com jeremy at talk about town ky.com neil cox and jeremy judah are your friendly realtors with judah real estate group